Well, welcome back to Raising Up the Next Generation. I'm your host, Dan McPherson, and my guest on the show today is Rosaria Butterfield. Rosaria's story is too long to share in a short introduction, but her book, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, kind of details her journey. I'd encourage you to go out and and get that book. She's a world-renowned speaker, and her second book, Openness Unhindered addresses questions of sin, identity, repentance, and those are often what she encounters during her speaking engagements. And she has a strong passion for hospitality and bringing the gospel to lost friends and neighbors, which is the topic of our conversation today with her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Rosaria, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. So I mentioned your story is uh, is long and and there's a there's a lot there, but kind of from a from a hospitality standpoint, kind of share how you developed a passion for hospitality and got to kind of where where you're at today on that topic. Yeah, it's a bit of a messy answer, though. I mean, I I, I suppose I first started practicing what I would have called hospitality, which I've come to understand is really more you know, liberal communitarianism, but, you know, I started to get good at cooking for a crowd and not knowing what kind of crises we were going to have in our home. When I was an out lesbian feminist activist in New York, professor at Syracuse, one of the first crop of tenured radicals and confronting like everyone in the gay community was at that time, an AIDS crisis, um, uh, originally, we called it GRID, or it was called GRID, Gay Related Infectious Disorder. I don't know if that mm. probably, uh, that, that, that's a little earlier than your time, but you know. Yes, it, you mentioned it, it in the book briefly, and I, but you're right. I had, had to look that up, right. Yep, right, <laughs> you know? right. But, um, you know, and so one of the realities of the gay community in New York at that time was that um, we had no idea what we were facing and we decided to face it together. And, um, and I saw a lot of what I would now call common grace, uh, you know, mm. people making big changes to better understand what was going on and to just help each other get through, you know, day-to-day things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was, it was during that time that I met Ken Smith who um, was at that point the pastor of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. We had actually encountered each other a couple of times before our, you know, our our dinner, our first dinner um, at, um, I mean, you know, at different political events where I was on one side of of a line and he and he was on another. Um, I, I I'm sure we encountered each other at community um, events where um, issues of of gay rights were debated. Um, So he wasn't completely, I guess guess what I'm trying to say is, although he was a stranger and I was a stranger and he was going to at some point teach me what hospitality to the stranger meant and at some point be the bridge that uh, the Lord Jesus himself would walk on to claim me for himself. All of that is absolutely true, but we knew where each other stood. Um, I knew he was an evangelical Christian who thought I was a sinner going to hell. And he knew I thought he was just kind of old and not too smart. Uh, I mean, like, that's just, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. uh, so, um, you know, one of the realities that I think 
was true back before the internet became the interface for um, a lot of conversation was, you know, people could have hard conversations with each other when they had real friendships mm. and nobody really dropped down dead. You know, the idea that the evangelical pastor thought the lesbian professor was going to hell, that's kind of a big yawn. You know, uh, the thought that the lesbian professor thought the pastor was just not too smart because he didn't share my hermeneutic. That's kind of like nobody fell down dead. Nobody needed to go to therapy because we were, you know, being you know misunderstood. It, we just thought that was normal. And I, I'm hoping that that, um, you know, as we're talking about that next generation, we, we just need to instill a, a tougher, a thicker skin on, you know, just just the reality of people disagreeing with you. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's how I, uh, that's where I was. And that's where I started practicing hospitality. And then yeah. I became the recipient of this amazing Christian hospitality. And that was, that was really interesting because nobody had wanted to take care of me. Nobody wanted to serve me a meal. Nobody wanted to wash my feet. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is crazy. Um, so I became the recipient of, of that. And I remember, you know, one time in particular um, at a, a gathering dinner, you know, dinner and devotions at Ken and Floyd Smith's house, kind of the standard, standard thing. Um, at, at one point starting to feel really sorry for myself, like, oh, poor you, you know, you're the only lesbian here. You're the only one who, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, poor you. And, you know, and then we started singing Psalm 23. And and that was when I realized, you know, this, this gospel is dangerous. And I better, mm. if I don't get out quick, I might become one of these people. <laughs> you know? Because it was clearly the Holy Spirit that, um, that, that made it clear to me that, you know, because I felt like these were all my enemies, right? Mm. These are all my enemies. Mm. They didn't support my gay rights, my right, blah, 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 blah. And then it, it, we're singing Psalm 23. And, and I realized, no, actually, I'm the enemy. I'm the enemy at the table. Mm. And they're dining with their enemies. And I'm the enemy. And that was, you know, one of the many turning points. I'd love to say that I just, you know, dropped everything, said, whoa, people, I just need to commit my life to Jesus right now. And it took years and years and years after that. So that was not that was not my conversion moment um, because I am slow and not as smart as I think I am. But um, hospitality was the context of the way the Lord brought me to faith. And, and I suspect there are millions of others like that who are brought to faith by a slow and steady, faithful kind, but actually kind of confrontational too. Mm. hand, which is private. There's no social, nobody tweets about it afterwards. Nobody blogs about it afterwards. It it's prayed over and it's prayed about. And, and I suspect there are just millions of Christians like me out there who have that same story. And I think yeah. a lot of them have written to me. So I'm, I think I'm in good, you know, in good, yeah. in good stand for that number. Yeah. Good. You use the term, not just hospitality, you use the term radically ordinary hospitality. So kind of un unpack that for us. What do you mean by that? How do you define that? Sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, it's it's decades later. I am not a lesbian feminist activist uh, professor. I am a mother and a grandmother and a pastor's wife and a homeschooler and... Um, 
Um, and um, uh, my husband was a church planter when we first started, right? So my first my first job, I think Lord's Day morning was cleaning the toilets in the community center, right? Right. <laughs> you know, open men's basketball was, I think, the last, the last, you know, so, so I, I'm in the trenches. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't have, unless you count like a golden retriever as a secretary that, you know what I mean? So I'm in the trenches <laughs> with you guys. And my life is yeah. a little different and praise God for that. Um, but, um, you know, one of the things that have has always been true now in 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 my life, having experienced the the hospitality of Ken and Floyd Smith, and which was really, you know, it was it was discipleship training in the home is what it was, mm. and it was, and it and that I mean, really, like it wasn't like it wasn't just like let's watch a movie together and hope you catch the gospel by osmosis because we're not going to have hard conversations. That was not it. At, in the least bit. Hmm. Um, and there was a lot of study of scripture involved and, you know, Ken was really clear and, and Ken is also a, um, I mean, he's still alive. He's 95. Um, so just to let you know, he probably will be listening to this, so, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's yeah. a strong man. He's a man hmm. with a very strong presence. He was the head of his household. He led his church and all of these things, which were so culturally like, Oh, you know, to the lesbian feminist, you know, neighbor, but, um, uh, you know, and, and so now I'm the pastor's wife and my husband's name is Kent with a T that's just, I mean, just to make people make it hard for people to, right. You know, right. Who am I talking about? Um, but you know, in the ministry, um, there are a lot of problems that are dealt with really well around a table. And and sometimes those problems are problems with, within the church. Sometimes those problems are problems within the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so a radically ordinary hospitality. Now, I, truth be told, that might have been one of those like adjectival, you know, battle zones with 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 editors, because it's you know what I mean? Like anytime you've got, you know, sure. but, but sure. what it actually means, you know, or what it refers to is the is times in our ministry when big problems are pressing in Hmm. and we respond by having nightly dinners with the people who themselves are stakeholders of those problems and their, you know, kith and kin as it were. And so we end up with big tables of feisty conversation, hard conversation followed by sincere prayer, genuine psalm singing, you know, actual opening of the Bible with heathens and with pagans and with people like the person I used to be. And then we do it again the next night. Mm. We do it again the next night and the night after that and the night after that. And 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 part of it, you know, we are reformed Presbyterians. We actually don't believe that we have the power to convert people. We have never in our lives experienced the ability to convince people to do almost anything, including our children. <laughs> um, we have absolutely no track record for that, but we are here to report that the Holy Spirit is powerful where we mm. are not. And yeah. we have seen people with hearts just as hard as mine and uh, sin patterns just as uh, deep as mine um, joyfully come to Christ. And then mm. in some ways the hard work begins at that point. Yeah. Because yeah, when you're, for curious, sure. you're, you know, so, um, so we don't, it, we don't, um, radically ordinary hospitality is something that we practice during seasons of, of, uh, intense, uh, hardship, um, mm. 
one of those that the gospel comes with the house key was prompted. I was, uh, you know, I mean, we had lived this for years before this, but the real, the issue that was pressing on that, the time that I was writing that book was our, our reclusive and gentle neighbor across the street turned out to be running a meth lab and we were his closest friends. And there were neighbors who rightly wanted to know if we were crazy Mm. or if we were colluding or, (laughs) you know, I mean, just, you know what I'm saying? So, so it, it really was a seizing of an opportunity and, and we learned, I'd say, and you know this, because you've probably learned this lesson a million times in the ministry too, that um, if you want to proclaim Christ to a lost world, um, uh, God will be honored. Mm. Um, Christ will be victorious and you will have no ability to protect your reputation at all. Yeah. Yeah. So just give it up. (laughs) Right. Right. And uh, so that's, that's, you know, so that's what that book was. Um, that was one of the subjects, but there are other subjects. Like, what is it like to be in ministry when you are the only believers in your extended family mm-hmm. and you see your two youngest children come to Christ and your parents on their deathbed? And, you know, there's just a lot of messy things that go with being a Christian in this world. And, you know, it's messy because you can't make it happen, right? You can you can be deeply in the means of grace. And this is something that we would absolutely, you know, not just encourage, but we would say that's the ground zero of the Christian life. It's, Mm. um, it's those hours in prayer and in Mm -hmm. Bible study. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it's also being willing to drop things because there's a neighbor kid who needs you. And there's a crisis that could be better resolved if you open your doors instead of shut your doors. Mm. And, so that's for a season what we did. And, you know, I made a lot of minestrone soup and, <laughs> and uh, we, we started to kid around that we would have, um, we would have house, house favorites. And then neighbors would say, well, that might be your house favorite, but it's not mine. So I'm bringing that. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So you're like, okay. Thank the you. more the merrier. Yeah. The kids will right. love you. Extra ketchup. Please. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Your, your book, I mean, throughout, that story about your neighbor and and your parents and uh, your mom, especially. I mean, just story after story, so beautiful, but so messy. And uh, I think I think that's exactly what the hospitality you describe is. And I kind of want to you you've kind of fleshed that out a little bit, but I want to get a little more kind of explicitly down into that because when people think of hospitality, often what we think of is entertaining or hosting a party or you know our house has to be a certain way and we have to have a certain type of of dishes and i think what you are i know what you are advocating for is something very different than that so kind of speak to that the the stereotype of hospitality versus what you are advocating for yeah and you know i think and probably if i were ra- if i had been raised like in a normal and like by normal people in a normal way <laughs> i I might, I might've gravitated to that. Like all of that, man, that sounds really nice. And, and I've been, you know, like people have, have provided hospitality for me and they have those things. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is really nice, but you know, we are, Kent and I were both, you know, first generation Christians. And I mean, we're the people 
who drag in a lot on their shoes when they enter your church. Okay. We're those people, right? <laughs> right, right. Those people who suck up all of your time and they, you know, so we, you know, we haven't, we're old, we're old, but we haven't been lobotomized. <laughs> we remember that. Um, so I would, I would say that hospitality, you know, you just, it's a little bit like Jude three contend for the faith. You do it where you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, you 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 know you do. I do it as a homeschool mom and a grandmother, and you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not what I'm not, and the same is true for hospitality. So you do what you do, and you open your arms a little wider, mm-hmm. and you know, you don't get um, embarrassed about what you're not, because what you need to realize is there are people like me in the world who is just have never in their life seen Christians have dinner and family devotions. Like mm. they, like that is the craziest. When I first saw that, that was like the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, and so compelling. Mm. And, and as much as my whole life was wrapped up in queer theory and books. And so you said, I, you know, my first book, my, yeah, those are my first and second and third and now fourth book as, as a Christian, but I wrote a few books before that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to read, yep. you know? And so, so there was the peace of Christ um, that surpasses all understanding can often be um, felt in those places where Christians just, they don't put on any airs. They just do what they do. And, and, you know, I know my house drives some people crazy because I, they've told me they, I mean, like I've had people, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you have this too. Do you have people who just give you books because they're like diagnostic? You know, like they give you the book because they're like, this will help you, Rosario. Yeah, right. Right. And I, and I've, I've tried, I mean, but even last week, you know, the dog discovered that there was probably a mouse in the pantry. He, dug everything out of the pantry, including the Costco sized bag of russet potatoes to get the mouse. He scared the mouse into my office. The cat had the mouse in his mouth. My son grabbed the mouse from the cat and brought it into the dining room where we were having dinner. And cause I called him in, I'm like, come to dinner. So he, came yeah, in right. the, you know, and you're just like, that's just so disgusting. But there, you know, I mean, nobody, like a lot of people would really not like that. And I'm yeah. sorry, our guests might've been those people too, but what you do is you, 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 you do what you do and you open your arms wide open. And I would also say that everybody doesn't have to do everything the same way. So, mm. you know, definitely our, our hospitality def, you know, it definitely welcomes like people with kids and whose kids are in crisis, mm. whether mm-hmm. it's a two-year-old who is, you know, just very, very nap worthy or a 17-year-old with a deep, dark secret or for whatever reason, that's our people. And so those people, quite frankly, are not offended by the fact that, you know, the house is kind of messy. Right. You know, and what I say to people, I mean, and I just I say the gospel comes with a house key. But if you're here a lot, the gospel comes with a church art also. And my son's friends do most of the vacuuming. In fact, I one of one of the guys he's been doing it for so many years that he's you know, he's now 16 and he'll come up to me and say, Mrs. Butterfield, we're out of vacuum cleaner bags. Can you put that on your list? This <laughs> so you got to train them up. You know, if they're going yeah, to eat your hot dog. But but seriously, it. It does, um, you know, know who your people are, know, know who you're responding to. Um, don't, don't be fussy about it. Don't try to tailor things to them, but realize, you know, people love to be needed. Hmm. 
And so I don't claim to have it all together, but mm. I do claim to, um, and by God's grace, know the Lord Jesus Christ and know that whatever problems we're having, we need him, you need him too. We need him too. And, and mm -hmm. then, you know, to not be afraid to have hard conversations. And I think that's where people get kind of like, ah, oh, but what about the kids? Mm. And, you know, that's, you can fault me on that. I mean, my poor children have been raised in some pretty, you know, hard and heavy conversations. Um, even as little people, they have, they have fallen asleep under the dining room table. You know, we'd put, we put them to bed, but they're like Houdini's, you know, like they would sneak right. out, <laughs> you know, I mean, they have just fallen asleep listening to their parents beg their neighbors to put their faith in Jesus. I mean, they, they, um, you know, and at the same time, our, our family is made up of adoption and foster care. We adopted two children out of foster care at the age of 17, one out of a gang. I mean, what are we going to pretend it's not as bad as it is? You know, when do we tell the little people? I mean, mm. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure that I did. I made all kinds of mistakes, but, you know, by God's grace, my, my, you know, my, my young, two youngest children are in Christ. My grandson is um, growing in grace, tells me he's a Christian. He's seven. Um, and he has many philosophical discussions with me around the fireplace. <laughs> He'll say, it's Gigi Rosie, it's time to have a conversation, you know. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, but we we have been pretty transparent with them and they've seen things maybe that um, that uh, that maybe they ought not to have. Hmm. And yeah. by that, what I mean, I guess I should clarify what I mean is they've seen adults. Um, they've seen adults share problems and they've also seen adults with big problems come to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so if mm -hmm. there is ever a moment that they thought that Jesus was, you know, a paper mache doll, we pull out on Sunday mornings when you put your, you know, your good clothes on they would never buy it. Like my kids mm. would just never buy it at all. That's not Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a, you're a woman of scripture as that just comes through your entire book and your, your views on hospitality, how you minister to people, who you welcome into your home, which seems to be everyone is informed by scripture. And so what are some passages that you've kind of hung your hospitality hat on or some, yeah. whether that's a story or a specific um, passage, what are some things there? And I would say too, that, you know, I'm, I'm married to my pastor. So, you know, for decades, I have received daily biblical counseling, which I've needed. <laughs> so while I may be very tempted to say everybody's welcome, Kent is very good at setting boundaries. <laughs> so, so just just know it's it's crazy, but not you know not quite not quite as crazy. So, for ten years we were um, licensed foster parents in the state of Virginia, um, working with the welfare states, and um, we had many many children come through our doors. We tried to adopt all of them, but we've come to learn that that's not that's somewhat frowned upon. So the Lord decided. <laughs> that while we signed, I think, 10 adoptive placement agreements, we have four, we were given four. Um, but one of the, one of the uh, teenagers, I, I would say that the, the um, my heart, my mother's heart really grew 
under the care of, of, of angry teenagers. Hmm. Um, and there are a number of teenagers in foster care who need, who need homes and, um, and it's really scary. Right. And so there was one teenager um, that we did not adopt. Um, and, and there were reasons. Um, everybody has reasons. And um, the day that she was, she was 21 and she committed suicide in a homeless shelter in New York. And that was the day that I wrote her name on this page in my Bible, Hebrews 13, one through three, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Um, one of the realities of our house is that our children really caught hold of this. And over the course of our life, they would bring in children mm -hmm. who were not okay. And then we would be able to connect with parents and find out, you know, and even when you live in a neighborhood, like, even, you know, we, we, you know, we live in Durham, which is a city, which, I mean, we have been robbed, you know, so you, you, you actually lock your doors and you're like, you know, but blah, blah, blah. But, you know, even if you live in a neighborhood, you know, sin has just ravaged the American family. I don't care what the, you know, whether the house is painted or not, or what it looks like from the outside. And um, our children really brought a lot of ministry our way. Uh, but this is the verse that I keep going back to. Um, and I'm not trying to like give myself a guilt trip. I know there are people who are like, oh, Rosaria, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I mean, I... When I look at this world, I see a lot of damage I've done to it. I mean, I, I don't feel like, you know, and I, I'm 60. I don't know how much time the Lord's going to give me, but I want to make every minute count. Mm -hmm. And so I would say the verses that have been especially compelling to me are the, verse, the verses about children or people who are being mistreated and even looking in like the gospel of Matthew for the way that the Lord himself so completely identifies with the least of these that he says, what you did unto me, you know, and like, what? But you weren't there, but I was. In union with Christ means, of course, um, that means, you know, it means that if we Christians are persecuted, Christ himself is persecuted. He completely... Hmm identifies with that now i do know that all these people i'm talking about aren't necessarily christians i, I really do get that i'm not i'm not suggesting that i'm not a universalist in fact i'm 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 i believe in predestination and election but i also believe that the way that the lord shares the gospel with his elect who are not yet converted is by having people like you and people like me put down our other things and spend time with people mm. and and spend courageous time with people. I mean, one of the realities, and I guess this is my other hospitality verse, is um, that the fear of man is a snare, uh, but the fear of God is safe. 
And that's Proverbs 29, 25. And, and I say that because, you know, we have pretty direct conversations with people and, and in a, in a post Obergefell world, in a world, uh, I mean, it's one thing, you know, my story, uh, you know, Ken Smith talked to me in a particular way. Uh, you know, was I shocked that, that the church thought homosexuality was a sin? No, but, but people today might be because the church is a mm -hmm. mess. It's mm -hmm. an absolute, utter, disastrous mess. And, mm -hmm. um, and you can, you can blame people like me for that. <laughs> you know, you don't have to look very hard. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's really important to get people in the word, to open the word, to make sure they know you're praying for them. Um, and uh, I've, I'm sure I've had people who are offended, but you know, what's awesome is that once they get to know your style, they come right up to you and tell you that they're offended. <laughs> then you can actually have a good conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, during the, during the, you know, the great COVID panic, um, I think right around the time the vaccine, you know, I think it was like 2021, you know, my neighbors, my two, two men about my age who've been in a homosexual relationship for decades and you know they just were loaded for bear one morning and wanted to talk to me about why in the world evangelical christians don't love their neighbors and you know because of course what he meant by that is why they just don't you know overwhelmingly everybody get the the vaccine and you know get a little shot of yourself on facebook and you know and, and i said well you know let's talk about that um weren't we all in the same gay community in new york you know, do you remember what Larry Kramer said about safe sex? I don't personally remember my, uh, you know, gay male colleagues warming up to that. What do you guys do? Did you love your neighbor? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, like that's and 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 and, and, and you know uh, that obviously turned the tables on the conversation and then i said well let's have dinner come over let's you know well it's of course it's always so funny well were you vaccinated i can't come over <laughs> now unless you know so you know but but let's talk about why christians believe health care is a is part of the domain of the family and not the domain of the government that's your, that's mm -hmm. actually your question mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm just saying it really you know to be fluent in in the, the the scriptures as your life way and to be completely transparent so your neighbors know exactly where you stand can really allow you to deal with conflict as a Christian. And mm. um, you you need to, you know, we're called to evangelize. You know, the, the, it's funny. We The two things we won't be doing in heaven, we won't be evangelizing and we won't be repenting of sin. <laughs> and when you think about it, Dan, think about it. Like, that's like hours of your day, like right there, <laughs> <laughs> right there. Yep. That's crazy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so I would say really be courageous, be willing to lose friends to keep Jesus as your friend, mm. but don't be, you know, don't feel like you have to be a jerk. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, deal with people as you would want them to deal with, with you. Mm-hmm. You use a, a phrase in the book multiple times, and there you have a chapter that's titled this, God Never Gets the Address Wrong. What that is a, a neighbor uh, a neighbor phrase, I think, but kind of share a little bit, what, what does that mean there and what implications does that have for me in my own neighborhood? 
Right, right. And I don't know. I mean, I, this is the problem, right? I'm a I'm an English professor by training. I'm a memoirist by by preference. Um, you know, chatbot AI couldn't like there's no like, I'm sorry, you would know it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I do I do make up some phrases every now and then because, you know, it's what writers do. Yeah, but it's great. That expression was something that Kent and I started to pray about, say to ourselves, um, when we started um, fostering and then adopting teenagers out of foster care with big problems, because we did, I mean, it did seem like, in fact, every time, like you get this rap sheet on a kid and you're like, well, what makes you think I know how to do this? But we started to realize that, you know, uh, in, especially in, in government foster care, those sometimes the rap sheets on these kids couldn't be more wrong. I mean, really, like it's 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 almost like you're on a long car ride playing the opposite game with a car, you know, with a van full of you know kids. I mean, it's not so. We just had to realize that you know, wait a second. The the Lord in His providence has sent this child to us, and we 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 can't just look at our limitations. We need to look at what Christ has given us. And so that became really, uh, so it's, that's where that phrase started. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it, it went on in the, in the, you know, in the book, I talk a little bit how, you know, when our reclusive neighbor moved across the street, he wasn't exactly the neighbor we were hoping for, you know, and yet he became a dear friend. We would share holidays. I mean, he was very much a broken man and, and, um, and, you know, Kent was able to keep up with him. Um, uh, we've lost a little bit, lost some contact with him now, but hoping to have, you know, more contact soon. But, you know, um, God doesn't get the address wrong. He knew mm -hmm. that we needed to be neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of being mad about it, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my property values are going down or you know, oh, that, you know, that dog, and I hate that, you know, but, you know, like, I think it's important for Christians to realize that God is sovereign over the things that annoy you about other people. Mm -hmm. And if you would simply pray that you would love those people, I don't mean stupidly and naively, I mean, Christianly, then you will be able to set boundaries without, without feeling bad about it, if that's what mm -hmm. you need to do, mm -hmm. or you'll be able to invite them for a conversation, uh, you know, if that's what you need to do. But if you can just pray that instead of being annoyed and put out by people, you would just love them as a Christian, you will be better able to function mm -hmm. in this very annoying world, in this world that, you know, tends to throw a lot of things at a Christian in a given day. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I appreciated uh, that you kind of threw in at one point in the book was talking about your own personality and tendency towards introvertedness, which you throw in kind of towards the end of the book. And you would have expected that um, as you story after story after story, you're surrounded by people all the time. And as an introvert myself, uh, I was I was appreciative. You kind of talk about how you navigate that. So for someone who thinks of hospitality and thinks, man, I just have to have my be around people all the time. How have you how have you walked through that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, first of all, it, it the gospel comes with a house key was written in 2018. You know, Kent and I had been 
you know, at that point, uh, you know, 18 years practicing, you know, at, at church planner's wife, you kind of learn to, you just learn to not be so fussy about stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I think right. part of it is just age, age and, you know, being assaulted in the ministry <laughs> by, by needs, but sure. um, I'm not, I, and I should, you know, unplug that assault was the wrong word. I don't mean, you know, but, um, uh, but but I will say I I am a morning person. I get up at about four o'clock, between four and five. Um, I mean, not even the dog is awake. Like nobody, there's nobody awake. And even if I have a family living with us, you know, nobody's awake. And I'm not talking to anybody. If you are awake, you know, Mazel Tov, peace be to you. You know, <laughs> I, I'll put on more coffee. But I right. so my morning and my morning time is also that is my that's not my Bible study time. I have a study time that's later in the day, but I have a Bible reading devotional time and mostly a prayer time. I spend at least um, at this point, it's been at least a good hour in the morning. um, And I need that time. And Mm. so that is what, that is what I do. That is what um, that is, that is how, how it, how it works. And then I think the fact that I have seen God's blessing. I think there's nothing quite like seeing God's blessing on, on a small thing that you do that, that kind of wakes you up and makes you realize, well, this is a little uncomfortable, but I, I'm, I really am going to be okay with this because I see God's blessing. I mean, one of those would be one of our, one of our children, um, is on the spectrum. And of course, you know, we've always been trying to be real careful about like overstimulation and sensory stuff. And, you know, he's the guy who's most, and he's an adult now um, and he's in college and he still lives at home. So he's a, he's a huge help to me, but he's the one who most values hospitality. Um, and he even said, cause we said some, in fact, we've had, you know, friends say, well, like, what's, what was it like as a kid? Is this like, and he said, you know, I, 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 um, I struggle with relating to people, but, but it was wonderful to like have people brought to me because then I had all these, I, I, I've never not had friends, mm. you know, I've never not had people praying for me. Uh, and, and if, you know, we're a small church, so friends means you can have friends in every age group and they really are right. your friends, you know, yeah. um, and so that was really, um, you know, that was super encouraging to us. And so mm. those are some of the reasons why, um, you know, why why we do that. Now, having said that, I will tell you that we're the kind of house that we bought this house for, you know, nice house. It had white carpet throughout. And we would joke about how many years it would take, you know, and now it has that um that laminate flooring, like literally mm-hmm. there isn't a patch of my house that you couldn't take <laughs> a hose and pine salt to if you needed to. So, right, you know, right. when you have a big family over and they're not, you know, they're not the perfect homeschool family and some kid puts a hole in the wall, quite honestly, it just doesn't ruin our day. We even have hole patching kits and, you know, it's good to teach people how to repair the wall. I mean, yeah, I don't right, know. Right. So I don't want to sound like we're we're crazy people, but but we've our, we love our house, but it's just a house, um, and it's not it's not meant it's not meant to be a museum. It's meant to mm. be an embassy. So yeah. it's it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you. I wanted to go there a little bit. You. Um, 
you say the hole in the wall, but you share some stories in the book of times where you got burned pretty badly, taken advantage of because of your posture of hospitality. There's some deep church hurt, their robbery, you know, um, and then just relationally. And so I think for at least for me, and I'm sure for many listening, one reason why we don't want to necessarily open our arms is the fear of being hurt mm-hmm. and um, that f- feeling of being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. how do you persevere through that? And what has the Lord te- taught you um, through those times right. that yeah. kind of allow you to still have that posture? Right, right, right. Well, we don't do it for people. I guess that's the one thing that we really Mm. do do this for the Lord, that we see, we see ministry as the Lord's work. And you are absolutely right that um, not only practicing hospitality, but writing books, um, it it allows people to see all of your mistakes and Mm. all of your faults and all of your vulnerabilities. And, um, and, you know, and, and in some ways, Kent and I both um in ministry we you know people always talk about oh you must you know use your spiritual gifts work from your strengths well i'm not doing that anymore i used to do that when i was a tier one research professor and i could spend eight hours a day by myself in a room (laughs) but the lord has not allowed me to work from my gifts in you know what 30 years i mean you know so i i think part of it is just kent and i are a team and we're a ministry team and we believe that um, these rebukes will come from the Lord. and But we also know that Satan does not want the church to advance. And so we get up in the, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I do. I get up in the morning and one of my first prayers is, Lord, may all the people I'm going to disappoint today be disappointed for your glory. Because hmm. that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and you're going to see mistakes and you're going to see, you know, but, but I think the other issue is to stay so close, to really be close with the Lord Jesus, not just, not just with your theology, not just with the, the teaching you're doing today and not just with the conference you're going to like, that's just, that's not, you know, just put that aside to stay so very close with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you can take some of the hits that are going to come your way. Um, a big one that we see a lot, you know, so you've got, so those hits can come in the church and they can come in the world. Um, and, and it's harder when they come in the church, but, you know, we, we pray for, you know, I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time, not only repenting of my sin, but repenting of my public sins publicly. And that sometimes makes other writers a little bit mad. Cause like, if you do this, Rosario, I'm well, I don't care. I mean, I'm not, I'm, this is not my profession. I mean, this is my, in, in, in the Puritan way, this is my profession of faith, but I'm not, I'm not a professional Christian. I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. So I would say, be so close to the Lord Jesus Christ that you, you kind of, you can navigate around these, you know, I mean, the rebukes of the world is how Proverbs puts it. And, you know, and, and definitely like if you're, we had a situation recently um, where we had a 17 year old boy living with us who was an addict and he needed, and he needed to get out of his house and we had a good relationship with him and we had a good program. Like, you know, like there are obviously that's not something Kent and I do by ourselves. So we had there, all the pieces were in play and, and everything was fine. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, his parents were over and, you know, rebuking me for the fact that I was allowing him to smoke cigarettes on, you know, the back porch. And, 
you know, I just leaned in and I said, look, you do realize I would smoke those for him if he would just come to Christ. Right. I mean, like you do. Like, this is, what, what are you talking about? You know, so like you'd expect somebody to like be say, hey, thank you so much. Thanks for taking in Mike." you know, but instead they're like, I don't like them, you know, and I, I'm sure they didn't like that. But you know what? He he did. He did actually end up becoming a Christian and he went off and I think he's doing fine. This was years ago, but um, you know, I felt like I needed to defend his right to do something that was relatively legal and providing uh, some kind of self-soothing, uh, given that all the other things had been, you know, ripped uh, from right. him. So anyway, right. I'm just, I, I, I do think that, you know, and then we've been robbed and that was really hard and um, we don't think it was anyone. I mean, I, I think that was just in God's providence and we actually think it was in God's providence so that we would be less um, attached to some of our things mm. um, because we had some very nice, you know, like all of my family jewelry and my engagement ring and, you know, like there, there were things I, I had an unholy attachment to and then the Lord took it away. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was hard. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say. That was, that was pretty miserable. (laughs) Yeah. No. And I get that. I, I get that in, uh, as you, as you shared that in the book, what I, what I thought was so beautiful is your community around you uh, whether a, a lot of it is they they responded because you had that community that you and and who you are as a family and people then caught onto that and and were a blessing to you during that oh time. Goodness. We did it even, so beautiful. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't even remember like saying anything, but people just started showing up with rotisserie chickens and crock pots and mops and buckets and you know extra vacuum cleaning i mean yeah and i just was i was still kind of in shock and mm-hmm. you know and everybody just took care of us and and did that for for week repaired windows and you know it was just it was really wonderful yeah i mean yeah. it was horrible to be robbed but it was it was also just really really wonderful to to be so taken care of in your vulnerability yeah yeah i i definitely felt that as as I was reading for sure. So you have kind of shared, you have been doing this for a long time. In a lot of ways, you and Kent kind of have a, a well-oiled machine that works for you and kind of where out of your, you say not you're not living in your gifting, but very clearly you kind of have a niche that you have, have leaned into well. So for someone who reads your book or is hearing your story, listening to this podcast and says, man, this is compelling to me, but I, I don't know where to start. What's some encouragement on, on where they can, a phrase you gave earlier, just open your arms a little bit wider. What would that look like for someone? Right, right, Um, right. Right. That's a great question. And it always starts with prayer because mm -hmm. there are seasons of life that we do this and there are seasons we don't. Okay. So like, you know, you know, modesty and discretion are to guide us they're to they're mm. to be bound around our you know our head and our heart so so um the first thing you would do is pray and the second is to think about you know when kent and i practice hospitality we don't do it as the butterfields what what our house at least think of our house is a little outpost of the first reformed presbyterian church of durham mm. so it's be, because we believe that we want our neighbors and our friends to come to christ and if you come to christ 
you join the church. You're part now. Maybe you won't join our church. Maybe you'll join your church. Fine, no problem. But you are tied to the visible body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, what the first thing I would say is not think of, don't think of it like, well, how can I do this all by myself? Go to your elders. Go to your pastor. Say, you know, I've, I'm, I think I'm called to practice hospitality, but. I don't know how to start. And I've had like, you know, young people do that. And then they'll go to their pastor and their elders and they'll say, you know, we're 22. We just got married. We have a spider plant and a folding chair. And, you know, um, and the, the, the elders would say things like, you know what, how about if we give you a hospitality budget? Hmm. How about if you just, you just grill hot dogs and, you know, we'll, yeah. how about if we help you in that way, since hmm. you obviously have the heart, but you can't afford it. Right. Know? Right. Because yeah. if your house is going to be an outpost of the first Baptist church of whatever, you know, we want to be stakeholders in that. The other is because we are an outpost of the church. We always want to make sure that we've got other members of the church here, especially if we're doing something hard like mm. the days of dealing with the meth lab across the street and the angry neighbors. We wanted to have, we almost wanted one-on-one -on -one, as many mm. Christians as neighbors. Mm. The other thing is you need to look around and see what's going on with your children and not provoke them to anger and make sure that they know what the rules are. So in our house, we've always had these rules. Children do not play in bedrooms. We have two acres. We live in North Carolina. The weather is almost always good. I am less concerned with what you're going to do with power tools and trampolines than I am what's going to happen behind closed doors. Yeah. So know what your rules are and also tell your children things like, you know, make sure they know that if any adult says this or that or approaches them or asks them this, whether they're a member of the church or not, they are to come immediately to a parent's. They are not to presume you're not. And, and what we would do, especially if we were had like some busy things going on, like, like during the days of the meth lab across the street, I have a single, a woman who's a single woman and she's, she's like my sister, she's like their aunt. And they knew that they had to go through her for, if I was busy, they had, they had a designated person available. Mm. And, um, and I, and I, that sounds kind of, that sounds like exacting, but we were licensed foster parents for years. Children do not end up in foster care because their parents rack up library fines. It's never happened mm. once. It's really serious. And Satan would love to destroy your family by introducing, um, a pedophile in, uh, in some wolf's, you know, clothing for you. So, you know, just be alert to where everybody is and make sure everybody's got a buddy. Um, hmm. um, and so, uh, but I would say definitely ask the church for help. And then let's say you're in a situation where you're a Christian and your husband isn't, and you want to practice hospitality, but quite frankly, it would be, it would, it would not really be respectful to him. Um, one thing that would be awesome is to go to a house that is in your church because it, you always need hands. I mean, all always, always, always. Uh, you know, people say, do you need chairs? No, I just need more Christians. I can sit on the floor. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I'm 60, but I can still sit on the floor and get up, you know, but, right. but no, right. I don't need chairs. I need, I need you. <laughs> I, need, mm. yeah. I need Christians. I need people praying. I need people talking to people, not being afraid to talk to people. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so that those are the things, but this is, my house is an outpost. It's not, it's an embassy. It's not, 
this isn't my little ministry, whatever that means. So, yeah. so I've got all kinds of help. And at the you know time that the Lord feels like I, I need to do something different, he will, he will certainly show us. But especially in a social media infused age where people have a lot of false, a lot of counterfeit hospitality happens on, on in these places. Um, it's interesting, a lot of counterfeit hospitality, but also a lot of real hurt. Mm. People get really mm-hmm. hurt by what happens online. Yeah but then don't want to resolve it offline, which is, you know, that's maybe an an interesting thing to, you know, just ponder, but, but, you know, you just really want to keep very close to the word. And, and I will tell you just to say one more thing about, about social media. Um, I've never been on social media. I don't see any reason why I really am an introvert. I I don't need more than five close friends. Like the sixth would kind of push me over the edge. Um, You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, but one thing too, is I'm pretty controversial. I mean, I've said very controversial things. I've, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm trained in, in English and philosophy. And so I don't sound bite well. Some of it might be like, clip something out of an interview and you're like, Oh, that's really mean. And you know, maybe it is, but I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not running for public office. Um, but one of the things that has really helped me, I think is I don't undermine my own ministry by what I might say on Facebook or what I might say on Twitter or what I might say on whatever else Mm. might be out there right now. Um, and a lot of people are, and they don't even know it. They just don't Mm -hmm. even know it. Uh, mm-hmm. They think they're talking to their friends. No, you're talking to the world. If I'm speaking to 2000 people in a conference center and I have a wall of protesters and Newsweek wanting to find every bad, stupid thing I say, you know, guess what? My guard's up. I'm praying. I'm not acting like, you know, I'm at my birthday party. And, you know, the Internet is, you know, Twitter and all of that is that plus. Mm-hmm. And if people act like I'm at my birthday party. I can yeah. say whatever I want. And yeah, you know, that's you a good be word. Be careful for the way that you're undermining your own ministry and your own relationship with people by things that might not even seem careless to you. Um, it might just be like, I don't know. It might, but I, I think that if you're going to use it for anything, use it for things like this. You know, prayer meeting tonight has been moved from 7:30 to 7:45 because the food bank is still using the parking lot. Right. You keep it to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're probably okay. Right. Anything right, more than that. Yeah. And you're you're just asking for it. Yeah. No, that's a really good word. That's a really good word. Um, uh, I think that's so true. To undermine. Yeah, I love I love that. I love that. Well, this has been such a good conversation. I we could talk forever, I feel like, but um where where can people go to find your work, your books, um, and obviously not social media? So, um, so <laughs> right, right. Uh, snail mail. Um, my my that's come right, to our page. Right. Well, I'll feed that's you right. lunch. You know, that's seriously. right. Go to Durham. Yep. Yeah, yep. come to Durham. Come to First uh, Reform Presbyterian Church of Durham, and we'll have lunch after after worship. Absolutely. Um, so I have I do have a website, um, rosariabutterfield.com. I do have a new book coming out of Crossway in September called The Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. Mm-hmm. Um, that book is more cultural apologetics. I have a little bit more of my professor hat on there. But, you know, it's 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 as important in our current age to 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 point out what is right. But it's as important to point out what's what's wrong, because mm-hmm. I think Christians are are um, I think our post Obergefell world has really taken some guardrails down and. And we're, we're, you know, so anyway, 
Um, I, I, you know, but like every five or six years, I maybe, maybe I come out with a book, um, you know, that's between a lot of casseroles, that's a lot right. of, that's, a lot of yeah. sock knitting, a lot of grandparenting, you know, um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I mean, my, my preference really is to ignore me entirely and just tie into your local healthy, good church and love mm. the Lord Jesus. Um, yeah. because I, I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, in the New Jerusalem, you won't you won't see a book written by Rosario Butterfield. You just won't. Isn't that that's, awesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love that. So to finish, I ask all my guests two questions. And the first is, what is one thing that you are listening to or reading right now that's really encouraging you? It could be a book. It could be a passage of scripture. Um, what's, what's something that's encouraging you or challenging you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm an English professor by training and I do teach in a classical co-op. So, um, and I, I always tell people Christians are re-readers. Okay. <laughs> so I'm currently reading Homer's The Odyssey and oh. I'm really taken this time about how a shame culture can have all kinds of moral underpinnings that we have lost because we've lost this idea that we even should be ashamed about anything. So that's been really intriguing to me. Um, I am, I am rereading, um, I'm rereading Machen's book, Christianity and Liberalism. And it's, it's very much a book for our day, uh, you know, Christianity and liberalism. And Jay Gresham Machen was a uh, book came out in 1923. Um, he was excommunicated from the PCUSA for writing the book. He founded the uh, another denomination, uh, the OPC, Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Um, but when, what's really powerful about that book is the word, the title, the word and. And what he was mm. making the case is that Christianity is not liberalism. And mm. I find this book very helpful in thinking about, see, Christianity is not the revoice movement. Christianity is not LGBTQ plus. Christianity is not the progressive church. Um, and so, but very much, so this book is, is almost prescient prophetic in that way. Um, mm. And so I tend to be more of a reader than a listener, but I've appreciated um, a podcast called Conversations That Matter with John Harris. I've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. He's he's been he's been pretty critical of me in the past. So, but he's been a really good critic. He's been one of those very very judicious critics of me. So um, that's I mean I'm not I don't listen because I want to hear him criticize me. I just listen sure. because I personally don't I don't I don't have as much time apparently as John does to keep up with. <laughs> the, 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 the this is and the that so yeah right right yeah good good so the second question and i know you've mentioned a couple people in your life already but who is someone that saw you as the next generation and raised you up someone who believed in you spoke into your life right definitely definitely i would say definitely ken and floy smith but mm -hmm. not because they anticipated i was going to go off and write books and like do it that way just because it was part of the discipling ministry of my church and in my denomination, if you are there, somebody's discipling you. Mm -hmm. um, and it may be your parents. It very well may be your parents. They may be your very best advocates and disciplers, but it's definitely somebody. Everybody has somebody in the church. 
to help them along. And Titus two, you know, is, is, is one of those good examples, but, you know, Titus two ten is really a beautiful, a, a beautiful, you know, passage to think about when it comes to discipling, because our lives are supposed to, and this is in the King James that he puts it this way, but I do like it, adorn the doctrines of God. Hmm. And so every young person in your church um, you know, whether that person is going to use their gifts or not. Um, God, you know, he takes a broken stick and he makes it straight and he draws beautiful lines with it. So you don't have to worry about that. But definitely uh, Ken and Floyd Smith were the the first ones. And then I would say, you know, my husband, um, we, I was, you know, I've, we got married pretty shortly after I became a Christian and I was not, you know, I was uh, even more of a mess than I am now. I know mess seems to be the <laughs> operative, you know, descriptor. Um, but I have really been blessed to be married to my pastor. And um, I, 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 it's no joke that I've needed daily biblical counseling. Like that's not, you know, <laughs> hopefully I've been a good counselee. Hopefully I've, I've, you know, I've, uh, I've paid back in some yeah. ways. But, but, yeah. I love it. Well, very good. Well, I I love your your work and and all your books and your story is so inspiring and just your your heart for the Lord and heart for prayer and heart for people is uh, is incredibly um, incredibly inspiring. Blessings on you as you continue to minister to your kids and to everyone who walks through your home Thank and you. in your in your churches. So. Thank you, Lord bless you, brother. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I love Rosaria's heart for people, her love for Jesus, and how that just spills over into everything she does. I would so encourage you to go get her book. She said that she is a memoirist at heart, and you can definitely feel that coming through. She just shares story after story of ways that she has lived radically through hospitality. I will say you will be challenged to live that way as well, but I think it is so worth it. You can find all of those things in the show notes, everything we talked about, where to find her books. I'd encourage you to go get her other books as well. Make sure to hit the notification bell, the subscribe button, That way you get notified when the next episode releases. And my next conversation is with Joshua K. Smith and his book, Robot Theology. It was a great conversation, and I know you will enjoy it. Thinking about robotics and theology and Jesus. Such an interesting conversation. Until then... Blessings on you as you are raising up the next generation where you're at. We'll see you next week.